Today is one of those days where the presence of the Lord is moving. Prophetic utterance is strong. What does that mean? What is this that you speak of? What I'm saying is the Lord is moving in such a way that that you may be getting words. God may be dropping stuff in your heart that's not familiar to you, and uh, especially as people are praying over you. But God is calling us into a place. You know, uh, as we were up here and the women, the mothers were praying, Ben said that uh, it was 95. Father's Day, 1995, is when the Brownsville Revival started, which was a revival that changed history. And I said, Lord, let it be birthed on Mother's Day in 2017 right here. Right here, right now. I feel like God has brought us to a place for such a time as this and that he's doing something that's bigger than... uh, what we really understand or comprehend, and all he's asked us for is, his, is a yes. To say, God, I'll, I'll go with you. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'll go with you because I can't stay where I am. I can't stay where I am. And I'm just telling you, that's, that's the declaration of this church. It may seem chaotic and out of order, and that's okay. We thank God for his order, not ours. I was, I was there, and I was worshiping. I was just watching what the Lord was doing. All I could say is yes. Yes, God, I don't know what this is going to look like as we continue to press in, but yes, I can't go back to what's familiar. I've got to press into what you have for us. And when we don't understand, it's so easy to pull away. When you don't understand and you don't comprehend it, everything that's going on, it's so easy to back up in fear. And uh, I said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. We've been there before, and and I know the fruit of that, and it's not good. So I invite you on this journey with us into what God has for us, and uh, I just tell you with assurance, I don't know exactly what it looks like, (laughs) and with confidence, because I don't have to. You know, uh, we shared this, I think, last week, I can't remember, but every revival that's come has looked different than the one before. And many times the ones who prayed for it and felt that they wanted it the most missed it because it didn't look like what it had looked like before. That's not who we want to be or what we want to be or what we want to do. We want to be obedient to what, what he is, is saying. And, and I just say again, men, I encourage you to come out uh, on Friday night. I won't try to coerce you or convict you. That's not my job. But I will say that that God is doing something and it's building, I think it's shaping and shaking everything. The word says if it can be shaken, it'll be shaken. And that's scary. But if we'll embrace that and we know the one who's shaken, he's not shaking to break us, he's shaking to make us. He's shaking to get off the stuff that has held us back and held us down for so many years and just kept us in the status quo that's just kept us just getting by uh just surviving not thriving and uh i really feel like the lord is is stirring that and this week i had every intention to preach a good mother's day message <laughs> whatever that is i don't know that i've ever done that <laughs> uh whatever a good one is supposed to look like and god just kept drawing me back to this passage of scripture and, uh, you know, I, I, I want to say this, and I want to declare over every woman in the room 
Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're not a mother that you haven't birthed a child, but you've birthed dreams. You've birthed destinies of others because you've come alongside them. You've partnered with them. You've prayed for them. You've loved into them. And I just bless you right now. I bless you right now. And I say, you take a plant too, because there's things that you've birthed that no one's seen and no one knows. So you take one too in Jesus' name. Everybody, every woman. Because we can be so busy about just seeing the obvious that we miss what Jesus is doing in someone else. And maybe you haven't birthed a child as of yet. Maybe it's something you've wanted and haven't been able to do it. Maybe you lost one. I don't know. But here's what I know. God's not done with you. And what he wants to do in you is bigger than what you can imagine. It doesn't matter how many children you have. And I, I had no idea where the service was going to go. As God just kept stirring this and I shared it a little Friday night with our man, and Ben said, I'm going to steal that. And I said, no, I'm going to get up right at the beginning and say, here's my passage. <laughs> but I said, Jesus, it's yours. But in Matthew chapter 25, in Matthew 25, uh, there's the parable of uh, the talents. It's uncanny how, how many times this passage has been referenced to me over the past two to three weeks without me looking for it, without me going and asking for it or trying to, to, to dig it out. There are times that that happens, and that's beautiful. But uh, as I began to just press and pray into this, God began to unload some stuff in me I'd never seen before in the Scripture. I've never heard taught before. And I don't say that about pat me on the back. It's nothing like that. It's just there's so much wealth in this book if we'll just get in it. I've been on this journey for years been in ministry for over 20 years, almost 25 years in ministry. And when we get in, not to, to get some new revelation so we can share it with everyone, but when we get in to know him, he begins to unlock things in us so that we can uh, feed on what he has for us to strengthen us. And then I believe for others as well. But in, in Matthew 25, very, very familiar passage of scripture, we hear it quoted a lot in funerals, and that's good. Uh, but I want to read just some of the verses, and I want to share just a little bit with you uh, this morning. Verse 14 of Matthew 25 says, For uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had, who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, he also, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, 
Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid the talent in the ground. Look, here you have, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the uh, bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who has abundance, uh, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Boy, that's exciting. As I was praying into this, and the Lord just began to, to stir this in my heart, and just saying, all right, Lord, what is it that, that you have in here for me? And I, I started going back, and the word talent that's used here, the first time that it's used is used in Exodus 25. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the tabernacle that God told David to erect, to build in the wilderness. He said, I want you to build this tabernacle. I want you to build it exactly like, I, not David, Moses. I want you to build it exactly like I tell you to build it. Last week, we talked about David's tabernacle. But he told Moses in Exodus 25, here's how I want you to build it. Build it exactly like this. And in Exodus 25, verse 37 through 40, the first mention of a talent is that here, and it says this, and you shall make seven lamps up for it. It's talking about the golden menorah, the golden lampstand that's going to go in the tabernacle in the holy place. And they arrange it so that uh, the lamp so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all of these utensils and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which you were shown on the mountain. So God said, I want you to build this and I want you to build it like I told you to build it. So why is that important? He said, I want you to build it out of a talent of gold. So I'll just be totally transparent with you. And, uh, you know, many, as I've read this parable about the talents, so Jesus is teaching about the talents, in my mind, what I had was a, a coin. Anybody else have that image? When he said, I gave them talents, I gave each of you talents, I gave five, I gave two, I gave one. So as I was studying this and just really started digging into a talent, I want you to understand a talent is not a measure, uh, it's not a uh, measure of currency, it's a weight, a measure of weight. It's a measure of weight, and a talent is 66.58 pounds. A talent is 66.58 pounds. So when he said, I gave one five talents, I gave one two talents, and I gave this other guy, we would have a tendency to feel bad for the guy who only got one. But he said this, I've given it to you according to your ability. But even in that one talent, here's, here's what I want you to understand. I did the math. I went online. I got the, uh, the, the price for gold this morning, which I guess, I don't know when it closed, but... Uh, the price for gold was $1,230 for a troy ounce of gold. Now, a troy ounce of gold weighs a little more. It weighs 31.1 grams versus our normal ounce, which weighs 20, 28.35. So there's 16 ounces in a pound, but if you do troy ounces, there's around 14 troy ounces in a pound. Are you with me? There's around 14 troy ounces, if you do the math, in a pound. And it says here that a talent is 66.58 pounds uh, is what a talent is. So this menorah that was to be built, it's like five and a quarter foot tall. 
So for, that's about right here. <laughs> That'd be harder somebody taller to illustrate, but for me, it's about right here. That's how tall this menorah is, right? Now think with me. We've read that in the Bible. He said, you build this menorah, it's going to be a pure gold hammered out of a talent of gold. And we didn't even think, it just went in the ear and went out the ear. And then we read over in the, in the Gospels when he said, I want you to, I gave this talents, this one talent to the one, two to one, and five to the other, we think of coins. How are you going to build a five-foot menorah out of a gold coin? I'm just building my case. So it's 66.58 pounds is one talent of gold. So it makes more sense when this wicked servant said, I'm going to go take what you gave me and I'm going to bury it out back. You know, a coin, if you just wanted to hold on to it, you put it in your pocket, you can put it somewhere. You didn't have to go dig a hole and put a coin in the ground. It'd be real easy to lose a coin in the ground, right? They didn't have metal detectors then. But when you think of 70 pounds of gold, it makes sense that he went and he buried it, that he didn't want anyone to mess with 70 pounds of gold. So let me just give you about what that is. So with gold being at $1,230 a troy ounce, and there's 14 of those ounces in a pound, that would be $17,220 per pound. Per, per pound. $17,220 per pound. So if you take that, and our formula would be this, that it'd be 66.58, which is the talent, times 17,222, which is what it is per pound, you would get this. For one talent of gold, it would be $1,146,507.06. That's one talent. Poor little servant. <laughs> he was only given a million dollars to steward. Jesus. He was only given a million dollars. So let's go to two. So if it's two talents of gold, it would be $2,293,015.20. Five talents. Five talents is this, 5,732,538 dollars. Five talents. So basically we say this, one talent is a million dollars. We'll just round down. Two talents, two million dollars, three talents, $5 million, rounding down, not even trying to be flamboyant. We can just round down. So he said, here's what I love. Verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's back up a little more. To each one, verse 15, according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So it doesn't take a huge leap of understanding to say, Jesus is this, is this man. And he's going on a long journey. And he's, he's establishing stewards to take care of his stuff while he's gone. You say, yeah, but it says he's hard. Just stick with me. Stick with me. So he said, I'm going to give everybody, I'm going to give everyone something according to their ability. But here's what's so beautiful. He gave the five, he gave the two, and he gave the one. The guy that was faithful with the five and the guy that was faithful with the two, he said the exact same thing to. 
He didn't say anything. He didn't say to the guy with five, you were faithful over more. He said, you were faithful over a few things. How, how many of you like to be trusted with a few things today? <laughs> Jesus, trust me with a few things. Five million dollars. He trusted him with a few things, and he said, you were faithful with a few things. So I will make you ruler over a many. Come in and enjoy the pleasure of your Lord. And he said to the guy with two, and here's what's so beautiful. He said the exact same thing to the guy with two. So what does that do? I believe this. He would have said the exact same thing to the guy with one. So what are you saying? I'm saying this. God is deposited in every man that takes breath, not just those who call themselves Christians. Every man that has taken breath, God's placed gifts and talents on the inside of him that a million dollars can't buy. A million dollars can't buy. And what we do with that determines not just what we get, but what honor and glory goes back to our king who paid everything for us. As Mel was singing, he gave it all. He paid it all. Why, why did we hold back? When he gave it all, he gave everything. That's what Jesus did. And he said, I'm, I'm going to give you resources to do what I've called you to do. Let's just think about this, this one for a moment, this one talent. Let's just, don't even think about the five or the two, the one. How many of you think you could get a pretty good start on life if you graduate college and someone says, I'm going to give you a million dollars to steward, you think you can make it? If you just put it in the bank, you could live off of the interest. That was his point. That was his point when he said, if you'd at least put it in the bank, I could have got usury from it. it would, I would have gotten enough money off of it that it could, it could have kept up my household. It wouldn't have just been sitting there buried under dirt. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, How did he, what did I form you from? I said, you formed us in, from dirt. He said, so don't hide your talent in the dirt. So many people hide their talent in the dirt. They say, if I was this, then I would use my talent. If I was that, I would use my talent. And that was what he stirred in me when I prayed over the women of the church, not just the mothers of the church, not making light of mothers. Thank God for my mother. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> not making light of mothers, but what I'm saying is this. There's power that God is releasing through everyone if we'll partner with it. A million dollars, one talent, a million dollars. If we will take what he's placed in this, these, as Corinthians says, these vessels of clay. He said it's in these vessels of clay that the excellency of the power of God is manifested. It's manifested. So as I was looking at that, and just pressing into it, Matthew 25, verse 24. You know what's so beautiful about this? As I go here to Matthew 25, 24. Nowhere does God compare one of the stewards to the other. He never went to the one, the guy with the one, and said, did you see what the guy with five did? Because of him, I now have $10 million. He wasn't caught up with the money. He wasn't caught up with the performance. What he was caught up with was the faithfulness to steward what had been placed in him. See, see, God's not concerned with 
how I'm stewarding what I'm stewarding or what your neighbor's stewarding what they're stewarding. What he's concerned with is how are you stewarding what he's placed in your hand? The gifts and the talents that he's placed in you, not in the preacher, the worship leader, or the teacher, in you. In you. We have the opportunity to steward what God has placed in us. So verse 24 says this, then he who had received the one talent said, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered, scattered seed, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent. I went and hid your talent. I've broken it up and put some definitions in here, so I'm sorry. That's why I sound <laughs> starting, stopping. He said, I was afraid. Uh, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look. There you have what is yours. Here's what's yours. So let's, I want to go back up to this just for a moment. Verse 24, he said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man. That, that word hard there doesn't mean abusive. It doesn't mean irrational or unreasonable. What it means is this, demanding in one's behavior. So when it said, how can we relate this to Jesus? Because it's saying, he said, you're a hard man. It doesn't mean hard as in mean and abusive. What it means is a man who demands and has demands in one's behavior. That he has an expectation, you could say, that we who call on the name of the Lord should live. Not just that. God has an expectation for every man because he created them in his image. And there's an expectation that they live that way. So it's not just those Christian folks, those fanatic folks. It's everyone that has breath. They were created in the image of God. Every one of them, without exception. That's the way he created them. He said, you are hard. You reap. And that word reap there, it literally means to harvest where you have not scattered seed, where it says you have not sown. He said, you're a man that's demanding, that's demanding in behavior, and you harvest where you have not sown. Staying with Jesus, he told his disciples to go make disciples. He said, the kingdom is like a sower who went out and he sowed the word. Our responsibility is to sow where Jesus can't sow because he's in heaven. Are you with me? And it's to sow where my neighbor can't sow. Do you understand? I, I don't know anyone in here, even husband and wives, who do the exact same thing every day. Someone would get hurt. Are you with me? Husband and wives, I think that's the closest relationship on the earth. God even likened him and his, his son and, and the church to being his bride to that relationship because of the intimacy and because the uh, unity that's expressed in a marriage. I don't think there's any relationship that can get any closer than that in the eyes of the Lord. As close as a mother and a child bond is, there's a time that that child leaves the mother. But the husband and wife come together to become one flesh. But there's not a husband and wife who do the same things every day, day in and day out. That would be, Lord, if you do that in this room, don't tell me, because I don't think my mind can take it, that you and your spouse do the same thing every day. You go to the same places, talk to the same people, say the same thing. That's not real. 
It's not real. So what are you saying? So that means even in that relationship that's that close, you still have two different worlds you impact and you come home together. You have place for your talents to be used that your spouse can't use their talents. So you have opportunity to steward something that they don't have opportunity to steward. That's beautiful. And he's not measuring you by them or them by you. He's looking to each person. He said, uh, reaping where you have not sown and gathering. This is so beautiful. The first time the word talent is used, it's, it's, I told you it's used, it's what? Talking about the menorah, the lampstand, the seven uh, lampstands. The, there's one main beam and six that go off three on each side. It spoke of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of spiritual enlightenment. It speaks of clarity and an understanding of spiritual things. And he said, that that's the first place that, and you say, well, you're reaching now. That's okay, I'm speaking. I'll reach a little bit. The first time the word talent is used, it's talking about the building of the menorah and how it's to be exactly like God says, and it's to be hammered out of one piece of gold, one, uh, one thing of gold, one talent of gold and made whole. And here, in this verse right here, it says this, and gathering where you have not scattered. The word gathering there means this, to lead together, to cause to come together. Who is Holy Spirit? He's one who's called alongside to koinonia, to partner with us. Maybe you don't see it. I see it. Let me just tell you what I see. I see right here in the middle of this when Jesus is saying that he says, I'm a man that you call me hard because I gather. He said, I sent Holy Spirit to gather with you. You're not doing this by yourself. I've given you Holy Spirit to come along to work with you to bring in the harvest, to gather. So I've not sent you out to do something that's hard or unreasonable. I've, I've not just told you to go. I've equipped you to go. Where, you, where, I, where I've not scattered. And the word scatter is to dissipate or to cause a group or gathering to scatter. I believe this. He said, I, I'm not the one that scatters you. If you look at the early church, how, did they, how were they scattered? Persecution. I believe he's saying, I'm not the one that causes the scatter, but as you scatter, bring fruit. That's right. When persecution hit the church, they were scattered. And they went out. And, and because of that, everywhere, you study church history. Everywhere there's persecution, the church flourishes. In the majority of the time when there's prosperity, the church wanes. So that mean, that mean you, you believe that we got to be poor and oppressed? Absolutely not. But here's what I'm saying. When you are poor, when you are oppressed, you cling to what's real. All the, the facades and all the fake that you felt fluffed you, it falls by the wayside. And you go, there's only one thing that matters, and it's Jesus. It's not the money, it's not the things, it's Jesus and him alone. He said, I'm not the one that scattered. The enemy scattered. I bring together. I've given the Holy Spirit to bring together. But when, when you're scattered, he said this, but when you're scattered, you scatter the seed. And the guy said this, and I was afraid. This, this word afraid means this, to be frightened, to be in the state of fear. That's not God. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. Hebrews 12 says that it, all their life they were subject to bondage, 
because of the fear of death. They were afraid they were going to die, so that all their lives they were in bondage. And the Lord's used that so much in my life. He said, when fear, listen, when fear has a hold on you, there's something saying to you that you can't make it. That there's death here and you won't make it through this. But when you know there's always life in Christ, no matter what the enemy says, what lie he tells you, you know there's life in him, then death has no grip on you. It has no grip for you to go and do. It has no grip for you to take this million dollars he's trusted you with and say, God, I may not get it right, but I know if I sit here and I hide it, I'll get it wrong. God, I'm going to take what you've given me, and I'm going to use it. You know what's so beautiful? Nowhere in this parable does he say that either of the servants did it right 100% of the time. It doesn't say that the guy who had five went out. He, how long was the master gone? Long time. Long time. He was gone a long time. You know, where does it say? He went right out and gained five more and then chilled, just sat back and lived on an island. And realized, That's not what it says. But he said, while he was gone, this guy, he stayed at it. How many of you think that he might have failed at least once? I think he might have failed at least once as he was pursuing the Lord and going after what God had for him. You know, Formula 409, you know why it has its number 409? Because the guy failed 408 times to make Formula 409. True story. That's why he, not, that's why he named it Formula 409, because he failed 408 times. I have, a, I have a friend who his dad... I don't remember what his job was. He was uh, up in Michigan, but he had an opportunity to partner with this new business venture. And he told the guy, the guy came and he presented it to him. I think it was going to cost him $1,000 to partner with this business venture. And he said, no, this sounds crazy. Nobody wants that. And the guy said, okay. He went and he found somebody else. This guy, he started a company you might have heard of. It's called Mr. Coffee. The Coffee Makers. This friend of mine, his dad, this isn't something I read in a book. His dad had the opportunity, the guy who had the, the idea for Mr. Coffee, the guy came to him and said, would you help me invest $1,000 and we can put coffee makers in people's homes. Automatic coffee makers, you plug them in the wall and it does everything. You don't have to percolate on the stove. It'll do it. He said, nobody, there's not, there'll never be a need for that. $1,000, he could have been set for life. $1,000. He said, no, nah, that don't know. Who wants a coffee maker in their house? We got a percolator. It works just fine. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like to me when Jesus talked about giving new wine. He said, I've got new wine. It's going to take new wineskins. And they said, no, the old wine's fine with us. We'll just percolate on the stove. And God said, you can do that. But I've got something I want to do that's easier, that's faster, that's more effective and efficient. And he's just looking for people who will say yes and partner with him. See, your talent is all that you're required to steward. He said, I was afraid. And he said, so I went and I hid. And that word means to conceal or keep secret. Your talent in the ground. And he says, look, you, here, you have what is yours. So here's what I'm going to say. Then it goes on to say, and he said to the one who didn't use the talent, he said, take what's his and give it to the one that has the ten. Because the one who has, more will be given him in abundance. 
But to him who, who doesn't, it's going to be taken from him and cast him out into outer darkness. So what is he talking about here? I believe, as I was looking at this and praying into this, I believe he's talking about those who uh, reject the gift of salvation. He's placed in us gifts and talents. Romans 8 says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Every person born, every person who's breathing air today has gifts and talents placed on the inside of them that I believe the Bible says a million dollars can't buy. And those people who refuse to give those talents to the Lord, it's starting with this vessel that carries the talents, who refused that. He said, what's going to happen to them is what they had's taken and they're going to end up in hell forever. That's not pretty. That's not pretty. And I believe, I believe that it's our responsibility to tell those with the one, man, God's got so much more for you. He's got so much more for you. It doesn't have anything to do with money. It's talking about life and life everlasting. It's talking about abundant life right now. It's our opportunity to help them understand. Just think what would have happened if the guy with five, or maybe the guy with two would have went with the one, the guy that had one, and he had buried it. He said, man, how, how's it coming? He said, oh, man, I'm scared. So I buried it in the ground. No, man, come on, I'll work with you. Just get a little. Let's just get a little, and we'll go use the little. You can leave most of it buried. Let's just go. See, that's the importance of discipleship. That's the importance of going together. That's the importance of community, that we don't leave that guy with the one over here burying his stuff. Then we go, I won't leave him over there by himself. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to help him. I might just be the guy with two, but I can help him at least make two, and I'll make four. That's the Lord right there. It's all over me. What would have happened? And here's what's so beautiful. Jesus looked at them both, the two that did something, and said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It says all that's, that's required of a servant a steward is that they be found faithful. What he's asking from us is faithfulness to do what he's called us to do, what he's equipped us to do. And what is so beautiful is it's so easy. Listen, I know because I, I, I'm, I'm good at doing it. It's so easy to look at someone else's gifts and talents. The 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, they comparing themselves against themselves are not wise. So it's so easy to look at someone else, especially in the area of leadership, I look at people who are strong leaders, and I look at the, the, the uh, it seems like just the gut instinct that they have to make right decisions and do stuff like that, and I go, you know what, Jesus, when I look at them, and I look at me, sometimes I look like a goose caught in a hailstorm, and he said, you know what you're doing? He said, Todd, you're, you're taking your two talents and trying to look at the guy with five, he didn't say, oh, no, Todd, you're awesome. You're all this and all that. Because he doesn't want to appeal to my ego. He doesn't want to appeal to my insecurities. What he wants me to do is see who he is and what he's placed on the inside of me. So he didn't say, oh, no, don't look at them. They're not, they're, they're not who, that's not who I called you to be. He didn't go down this false humility thing with me. All he said to me is, I've given you, if you see that you have two, what are you doing with the two? What are you doing with the two? I have a friend. Mark Twainy, he's spoken here many times. Uh, he pastors a church in Myrtle Beach. And uh, he and I have talked. And if, if I've ever met anyone as far as leadership ability that I know personally, uh, I would put him right up there beside a, like, 
uh, John Maxwell and stuff like that. He hasn't written books or anything, but just his wisdom when it comes to leadership. He can see a situation. He said, here's what we need to do. And here's how we can raise someone else up to do that job and empower them to do it so that I'm not doing it. He's just that smart. And he said, the Lord told me this. He said, he said Mark, your greatest strength has become your greatest weakness. He said, because you look at a situation and you say, here's what needs to happen. And you make it happen instead of being still and letting, let me see if that's what I want to do there. And I'm on the other side, and I go, God, you do more through me accidentally than I could ever do on purpose. <laughs> I see something happen, and I go, Jesus is brilliant. And if I'd shut my mouth, people think I was. Because <laughs> it happens, and, I, and people go, man, did you see that? And I go, man, did you see that? Did you see what he did? Yeah, good leadership. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. He's good. He's a great leader. Absolutely, we'll run with that one. But, but if there's one thing he's given me, it's a passion to know him. It's a passion to hear him. And do I get it right all the time? No. Have I allowed fear of man to stop me? Absolutely. But I won't anymore. If I fall, and I'm not talking about in sin, I'm just talking about if I'm running so hard, I fall forward, and, and trust me, I've done that in the natural. I've been running so hard that I got my head so far ahead of me, I fell over. And I've done that here in ministry, and, and, and I caused it to allow me to shrink back and say, well, I just need to bury what I've got and just hold on to what I've got, don't want to lose anything. And he's saying, no, you got to be willing to risk it all to receive what I have for you. I believe God's calling some people today to risk it all. For some, that could be this. It could be as simple as, I've heard about this man, Jesus, but I've never entered into a relationship with him. I know about him, but I don't know him. It could be, I've been in, in church a lot of my life, but I've never seen anything like I saw here today. <laughs> Thank God. Not that where you've been wrong or that we're even right, but that you're in a place where God can pull you into a new place. Because we're supposed to go, 2 Corinthians 3 says, we go from glory to glory. How? As we behold him. As we see him, we're transformed from glory to glory. So here's, here's what I want you to know. He's got a new place for every one of us. You're not exempt. I don't care how hard you're chasing God right now. You're not exempt for a new place he has for you. And that's what has stirred me to my core. And, and, and Ben, as we've talked, and, and God used Wes to... to, to kind of get this thing moving, even with our men, is that I, I can't be happy with where I'm at. I'm hungry, I'm chasing the Lord, but I know there's more. And I surround myself with people who I know are doing the same thing. And as I do, they spurn me on. That's what I say. If the guy who had the one had just connected himself with someone instead of separated himself. So if you're here today and you've separated yourself, God said there's an invitation for you to come join. Not a church, not a movement, but a family. There's an opportunity for you to join. And if, you, if you've been afraid with your one, he said, you come and we'll show you how to make two. If you've got two, he said, we're going to help you make four. And, and if you've got uh, the five, he said, we're going to make 10, and then there's just going to be more added to you in abundance. Come on, Jesus.